0: Body of Christ, I come before you today and I'm going to do my dead level best to talk about the Great Commission and something that the Lord showed me just prior to. And I'm going to talk talk out of Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission people are familiar with. There's some type of a recording and um, an opinion or a presentation in all the four Gospels about what happened after Jesus was raised from the dead and the tomb was empty And then he met with his disciples and told them, Really the reason why he came in the first place, right? We understand that he came, that he lived, and that he died, and that was the plan all along for the Lord to redeem us back to himself and make for himself a people that would then go go on to perpetuate this gospel, the good news that Jesus has come to make us right with the Father, that our sins that separated us, that we could never hope to cleanse on our own, that he made a way for us where there was no way, and Jesus is that way. He is the truth. He is the life. And he has made a way for us. And as sad as the, his disciples were about his death, about the crucifixion, as, as bad as we feel about the abuse that he took upon his back and the crown of thorns that was pressed into his skull and all of the, all of the ridicule and the spitting and the slapping and the plucking of the beard, every single thing was, was done for a specific purpose. He's taken every kind of abuse that we could ever take for ourselves and paid the price for us to be restored and healed and redeemed and and put on purpose uh, for the expansion of the kingdom. And that's the good news of the gospel. And and he was telling them that this is what I want you to go and do. But right before he got into verse... um, 18 through 20, he, he spoke to them something powerful in 16 and 17. And, and he, he, it wasn't even really that he was speaking. It was that it was said in this, in the New American Standard Version, it says like this, it says, verse 16 and 17, but the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus has de- had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. The reason I wanted that in the New American Standard Version is because every other version that I've read it in says the disciples, the 11 went... Which is the same thing, but there's a specific thing about proceeded this morning that I want to talk about, and I wanted to give you that. And, and at the end of this service, uh, as I'm closing up, I want to talk a little bit about what we do uh, with Tabernacles, but I don't want to spend our entire time just talking about Tabernacles, which is why we played the video and Carrie shared a little bit about our call. But uh pastor's given me the liberty to talk about a mission service this morning, and, and it's more than just about what we're called to go do but it's about what we are called to do as the body of Christ and although you respect and honor missionaries and you should because there's there's a, a special thing about leaving everything that you know and going to a people that you don't know and spending your life on their behalf and and the deal about it is though it's really it's just obedience The only difference between what we do and what you currently do is just that the Lord has called us to do this. So we just say yes, and it it is our goal, and I told Pastor this morning, and I don't know if I should play all my cards right up front and then still preach or not, but I just don't want to try to deceive you this morning. and I don't want you to feel like you've been deceived either. My goal for you this morning as the body of Christ is to talk you into just saying yes to Jesus. I mean absolutely yes to Jesus before you even know what the question is. Right? It's to talk about who Jesus is and the Great Commission and, and the fact that we just say yes to him and then we follow, find out what it is that we said yes to along the way somehow. It's not just saying, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And then let me think about it, and I might say yes. It's saying, Lord, you really are the way, the truth, and the life, and there really is no other way to the Father but by you and you. You've done it all, Lord, and my job is just to follow you in that. And as I do, you will continually reveal things that I'm going to do and things that I'm going to do. And it's an incredible, exciting life just to say yes to the Lord. So when you do that, and then he begins to reveal what it is that you've said yes to. That sounds so much better than saying, Lord, I've got this idea that I want to do. Is it okay? Would you bless it? And I feel like we kind of live our lives like that a lot of the time. And, and along this road of saying yes to the Lord, we will have moments in our lives where we're, we get kind of sidetracked and ask the Lord to bless our plans. But ultimately, our desire is to say yes to the Lord and then have Him reveal to us what it is that we've said yes to. Amen? Is that fair enough? All right, because that's where we're headed. Amen. So the disciples proceeded... They went where Jesus told them to go now this this story takes place after the crucifixion and the burial, and then they went to uh, see him at the tomb. the The ladies went to the tomb and found out that he wasn 't there and, and there 's all a different account in all the four gospels of kind of how that went down and 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 the, the the view from this side and the view from this side and that, but the deal of the matter is that ultimately. They heard that he was no longer there, and the the witness account was that you were supposed to go to Galilee, and that's where you would meet Jesus. He would meet you there in Galilee. So it says that they preceded the 11. Now, what happened before? It says, but the 11 went. What happened before that? The guards came and said, we don't know what happened, but this Jesus that we were supposed to be guarding is gone. And the, and the, the religious leaders paid them a large sum of money and said that this is what we want you to say. We want you to say that while you were sleeping in the night, someone came and stole his body. And if you get in trouble with your bosses, we will have your back because that's the story that we want propagated. And it says right there, all the way down through just ahead of that story, it says, this is what was circulated among the Jews and is still believed to this day, right? And then it says, but the 11 proceeded to the mountain. They proceeded to Galilee where they had been told that they would meet Jesus. And then it says when they saw him there they worshipped him but some were doubtful what were they doubtful of? was it really it could be a lot of things right was it really him what did he really rise from the dead on the third day like he told us he would is this really him and we can read all of the accounts and we know about thomas right he gets the nickname doubting thomas and he said what he said lord i won't believe that it's you unless i can touch your side and touch the holes in your hand and he got exactly what he prophesied out of his mouth that he wouldn't believe until he saw it until he touched him so the lord met him at his point of doubt and said and that's for somebody in here today that it, it's not that we're trying to slam Thomas but Thomas just was so distraught over the death and the burial of Jesus over the, over his whole world being rocked that he wasn't going to fall into some kind of falsehood unless he could touch for himself and sometimes we need to touch like that we do doubt a little bit until we can put our hands on it but Jesus didn't rebuke him really for that this is what he did say though he said come and touch and he said and, and then when Thomas said now I believe Lord and he said oh now you believe since you've touched I tell you this blessed are they that haven't seen yet they still believe amen so he was even talking about us because we haven't stuck our fingers in his side yet and we haven't seen the nail prints on his hands and we haven't seen the scars on his head that he took for our own ridicule and the in the confusion that we have in our own minds but yet we have believed anyway because someone presented the gospel and he was talking and prophesying about you and about me that because we've heard and believed then we are blessed amen but at the same time, I just want to comfort you this morning in letting you know that he didn't say, Thomas, you can no longer be my disciple because you, had, you doubt. I want to encourage us this morning right at the front of the great commission that he said that the story was told that the disciples did not believe the story that was being circulated among the Jews, but they went where Jesus said that they were supposed to go. And then they saw him there because they obeyed and they went where they were supposed to go and they immediately began to worship him. But some were doubtful. I want to encourage you this morning to go where it is that Jesus has told you to go and when you see him there, worship him even if you are doubtful. Along the way it gets tough sometimes. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It sounds beautiful in a book. It sounds incredible, poetic even within the pages of our Bible. But when you're, when you're walking through the dirt and when you're walking through the jungles and when you're going to, going to witness to your neighbor or, or the Holy Spirit has the audacity to tell you to pay for your neighbor's groceries that's behind you in line at Piggly Wiggly or Walmart, that's when the rubber really meets the road. And you might feel like you're doing what the Lord has told you to do and you're obeying, but yet you have a little bit of reservation some doubt worship him and do it anyway worship him and do it anyway worship him the doubt is not going to disqualify you we don't want the doubt to come but i'm so happy that you sang that song this morning my doubts and fears can come in too just come just come. Just as you are, come. And when you have a little bit of doubt, don't let it hang out for so long that you begin to doubt your own salvation. Just kick it to the curb. Because you can come and you can go so far with Jesus that you can doubt who you are. You can doubt your call. You can doubt whether or not you have the ability to carry out the thing, this God-sized dream that he's put in your heart. You can't. Let me, let me set you free this morning. If the Lord's put a dream in your heart, you cannot do it on your own but if you'll just go to where Jesus has called you if you'll go to Galilee you will meet him there and you can worship him and even if you doubt when he begins to speak to you and give you instructions on what you should do the doubt will begin to disappear and you will have the anointing of the Holy Spirit and you can do anything that he's called you to do because why? Oh at the end he says because I'm going to be with you even to the end of the earth, even to the end of this thing I'm going to be with you Amen? So what is it that he's calling you to do? Oh, Lord, what can we do? Proceeded. They proceeded. Oh, I hope proceeded and doubtful are stuck in your mind this morning when we leave this place. Proceeded. Oh, when I'm doubtful, Lord, help me to continue to proceed towards that thing that you've called me to do. I want to tell you that as we itinerate, that's a fancy term for going and doing this. We travel and we go to places Sunday after Sunday. To be honest, I wish I was somewhere different every Sunday because if I was, I'd be getting closer to being able to go. But sometimes in this season, it's not always easy to book services. It's an incredible thing to be approaching Christmas and your pastor asking us to come. It's it's a blessing to us. Because otherwise, we'd just be at our home church, worshiping the Lord, understanding that that's another Sunday that's gone by that we didn't get any closer to fulfilling our missions budget. So it's an incredible thing to be invited. We even have a Christmas service booked on the 22nd. And uh, when the pastor asked me if I had a Christmas service booked, I I really said, I shouldn't have said it like this, but that doubtful thing came in. I said, Pastor, you know, missionaries don't usually book Christmas service. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's a special time for communion and singing and everybody dressing up pretty and all those things. They're not going to want to have a missionary come and receive a missions offering on Mission Sunday. And he said, Well, you do now. it's incredible amen the lord's been so good to us but as we itinerate sometimes it can be because there's there's part of it that's kind of numbers crunching you know where we share things about where we're at how much percentage we are on monthly commitments how much is left of raise of our cash budget because i don't know if you know how missions works or not but Basically, you apply for the job, and then they tell you how much they're going to pay you after you do that. They figure out how much it's going to take for you to have a salary, plus to pay all the missions bills, to take care of your family and all that stuff. And they say, okay, we think you can do it for this much per month with this much of a cash bubble. And we say, okay, that sounds good. And they say, okay, now go raise it. right it's incredible like if you go to if you go down to walmart to get a job and 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 they say well we're going to hire you for this area right here and normally this area pays about this much and let's see the calculator out and so you got four kids and uh this and that and okay so we're going to calculate out that you need to make so and so however many thousands of dollars a year and we want you to have an emergency budget for travel just in case you get sick and you have to fly somewhere to the hospital or whatever so we need this much in a cash bubble just in case you have an emergency and uh, that's what we want to pay you does that sound good? And you say yeah and you you sign your name to it and they say okay come back and see us when you get er uh, enough people around you (laughs) churches and friends and family and all that and when you get that up to 100% of commitments, then we'll send you to do that job. And and please hear me. I, I'm not complaining about that. Please, please hear me. I, I don't mean to come across that way, that I'm complaining. I'm just telling you that's how it works. And so the temptation is, as we're doing our best to go to Galilee, our Galilee, where the Lord has told us to go, Africa Tabernacle Evangelism, and up to 40 nations on the continent of Africa to build those tabernacles where we can give people a place to begin to minister out of that will grow a congregation of 12 or 20 or 30 up to 300 just like that of people getting the gospel and then winning their neighbors and planting more churches and more churches and more it's an incredible opportunity but in order to get there we we also do this so the temptation is there sometimes for me as an individual if you're having a tough go of it and you don't seem like you're making much progress, doubt rears up. You can doubt whether or not you've actually been called to do that. You can doubt if that's really what God wants you to do, because what? Where God guides, He provides. And that's absolutely true. And that's encouraging if you have the right mindset, but it's damning, so to speak, if you don't. Right, It's the thing, the thing that should bless you and set you free sometimes holds you back because you, it can be manipulated and twisted into the, in the mouth of the devil as he tries to attack you by saying, well, if God really called you, then you should already be at this point by now. So thats I'm just making you aware where the doubt can come in. Right, And you can own that right where you live and where you walk as well. I'm talking about me, but you can own it in your own perspective, right? Because when you're trying to do what's right and you're trying to walk with the Lord and you're trying to proceed towards that place that the Lord has called you, doubt is always ready to creep in if you'll allow it, right? So it can either you to worship the Lord and keep on proceeding towards where he's called you to do or it can cause you to draw back and say maybe I'm not really doing what the Lord has called me to do because if I was it might be a little bit easier than this let me comfort you with this it might not sound like comfort but the road to Galilee is not a comfortable walk he said go to the mountain where Jesus will meet you That doesn't sound like a smooth sell, does it? He calls us to go places where we are completely dependent upon him. And then what you have is this temptation to doubt whether you can do it or whether he's really called you to it. Or you can just press on and proceed and meet him there and worship him and see his hand move in a situation that you would not have seen if you give in to the doubt. Is that clear communication? that's what the lord wants us to know this morning he's called us to do something absolutely incredible and we're a part of it together as the body of christ every one of us has different skill sets different things we're passionate about different things that we're good at and it's such an incredible thing and we can either be at odds with one another or we can complement one another it really depends on how we focus on the thing right we can we can do this thing together because all of us are called to do something. We get to have the opportunity to go. And I, I hope you're jealous of us when we leave this place. I, I know that in a room this size, there's probably some of you that are supposed to go with us. Whether it's permanently or on short-term trips. We, we are going to need quickly missionary associates working with us. There are 83,000 already legitimate congregations within the, just within the AG. On the continent of Africa in about 40 different nations. One third of them, as you saw in the video, have no significant structure of any type. What does that even mean? That sounds fancy, no significant structure. That means they're either meeting in somebody's hut, or out in front of it, or they're under the biggest tree in the village. And when the weather is bad, the weather is bad. When it's hot, man, it is so hot. And they have church anyway. And I'm going to tell you something within the assemblies of God we've we've realized that the most powerful thing that we have, the most powerful tool that is at our disposal for reaching unreached people groups, which by the way, there's 867 known unreached people groups, not people, but people groups, millions of people that have still not heard the gospel on the continent of Africa. It's still a very dark planet when it comes to the light of the gospel reaching certain places. It's growing like crazy in areas, but there are still some dark, dark, dark places that have not heard the light of the gospel at all. And and the most incredible thing that we can do is to build the national church. There's something about... the availability of the national church being able to go and evangelize when you stand that structure up the tabernacle this is what we do now i'm not saying what we do is any better than what other people do but we do what we're called to do but what i've witnessed firsthand is when you stand that structure up and you dedicate it in the name of jesus and you turn it over to that local pastor and there are hundreds of people that have gathered to see what is happening in the village today that's the biggest building that we've ever seen i don't even know what it's for but we're checking it out We're there. We're helping push it up. Non believers are helping you push the purlins up and and put that thing together and they're just excited that something's happening and then by the end of the night i mean halfway through the construction process the worship team's practicing right and they're banging drums and they're learning new songs and they're getting ready to have the coolest biggest baddest worship service that they've ever had before and you get to be a part of it and you climb down off of that structure and you're sweating like crazy and you're as dirty as you can be with red african dirt and you clean up as best as you can so you can look halfway civilized when you present the gospel and you preach that gospel and immediately people get saved why because there's got to be something happening here why are they here if there's not some uh, some authenticity to what they're doing and there is an assumed legitimacy that, that, that just crowns that pastor and that elder board and that congregation and what they say is deemed to be true that's why it's very important that before we go and build a church like that we know that the presentation of the gospel that takes place there is legitimate and it's a good work, and there's good doctrine being taught. Because what's going to happen is immediately they're going to pack that thing out. Pack it out with people that have never heard of the gospel before. And that church is going to be strong. And they're, they're raised with a missionary call on their life. They just assume that once I hear it, pastor, I have to tell everyone that I know. That's the only way that we teach them. We don't teach them that the best thing that they can do is to come back every Sunday morning and, and just attend the service. And eventually, uh, maybe they'll just be a better person. But what we teach them is that Jesus has come to you because he loves you and he loves everyone else. And nobody knows it yet. And it's your job to go and tell them and immediately they do it and it grows and it takes off and it's incredible and they can do more than I could ever possibly do. So my job, a lot of it is to come into places like this and to tell you what it is that we're doing. And then at the end we might receive an offering and then you can build a building or two or 10, you know, eventually, however much you want to dedicate to do that. And then of course, part of the thing is, is as I'm in itinerating, I have to have a full budget before I can actually go and do this all the time. I I will tell you that we're walking by faith. Uh, we have at least 10 trips already planned for 2020. We're coming up quick on 2020, and I'm not fully funded yet. I'm going in, going to Ghana in January on a, on a trip just to meet everyone and to see what's happening because we have already planned to take a Builders International team back there in uh, July. And, and I got to be ready, uh, fully released to go and do that thing. So we're going to go in January by faith, believing that by the time the trip comes in July, I'm going to be authorized to go and take them and build a couple of tabernacles. We're only going to be there for like six days because that's how long they want to be. We're going to hit the ground running. We're going to build two churches. We're going to dedicate both of them. We're going to have church. People are going to get saved. And then we're going to put them back on a plane and bring them back to America. And that whole region will never be the same again. It will never be the same again. And it's $15,000. They've is what they've already put it in the account. They raised the 15000 to build two churches. They want them in Ghana. We're going to make it happen. All right, and and, and Ghana will never be the same, and and that's the joy of what we get to do over and over and over again. So you heard uh, Carrie talk this morning about kind of how it got started. Uh, It was a Dave Ramsey podcast. All right, us trying to get out of debt because you need to be out of debt if you're going to live on a missionary budget, right? But we didn't know we were missionaries yet, but the Lord did and he was gearing us. And anything could have been on the radio that day. But that's the way that the Lord works. I'm here for a specific purpose here today, but you came in because it's your habit. But the Lord knew you were going to be here. He knew I was going to be here. He knew that I would sweat and spit crazily in this place this morning because that's I don't even know why I do it. It's just part of the way that I present the gospel. If I could figure out how to communicate better without putting out so much fluid, I would figure it out. But I haven't been able to figure it out yet. So I thank you for your patience. His disciples proceeded. They worshipped him, but some were doubtful. Worship him even when you doubt. Doubt will be there ready to pounce. I'm summing up here because I know that We need to, and I just want to make sure that I don't leave anything out. What in the world could they have possibly doubted? We could speculate about what they doubted all day. But what we know is that they doubted, but we also know that they worshipped him. I want to encourage you to follow Jesus. Proceed, 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 proceed. Even in the face of uncertainty or doubt. That's a fancy term for doubt. And then, when they decided to worship him anyway, even though that they were doubtful they heard the great commission, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, listen to this. This is the reason that he paid the ultimate price. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's incredible, isn't it? That's an incredible statement. He didn't just say, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He first told them, even in the midst of their doubt, he met them where they were. They worshipped him. They came to the mountain, even though they were doubtful. They worshipped him, even though they were doubtful. And just to clear up any misconceptions, he started the Great Commission by saying, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go! Go, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you even to the end of the age. That's his great commission. It's still the Great Commission. If you've heard the gospel, you're an elite. You're an elite percentile of the human race. There are billions of people that have not yet heard all authority has been given unto Jesus. There are millions that have never gathered in a sanctuary like this and had incredible worship, and the lights just right, and the carpet just right, and this is beautiful, and I'm not attacking it, but what I'm saying is we've got to do something about it. When Carrie tells a story about going to Africa, she tells people that when she lays her head on her pillow at night and closes her eyes, all she can see is Africans begging to hear the gospel for the first time. It's not because she's a better person than you, it's because the Lord has put it in her heart. Her heart is no longer just American and we don't hate America, but we are compelled to take this gospel. I know who I am. And when I look in the mirror, doubt is always there. I can doubt whether or not I can do it, Pastor Jerry. I can doubt whether or not God has really equipped me to do it. I can doubt whether I'm doing the right thing. Or I can lean on Jesus and worship him and just proceed. I can proceed one step after another and just do my dead level best to do what it is that the Lord has called me to do. Amen. And you can do the same thing. Whether it's, whether it's revamping your priorities changing your spending habits in a room this size there are those that will go let me just go ahead and declare that every section has got to have somebody that's going to go because without you we can't get it we can't reach everyone so just go on and say yes to jesus and ask him what it is you're saying yes to but all of us All of us can do our best to get out of debt and to not be dominated by the things of the world and not to be satisfiers of our flesh but to be listeners to the Holy Spirit and do our best. It's not that we can't have nice things but nice things cannot have us. Can I say that again? It's not that we can't have nice things but nice things cannot have you because if they do it will handicap your ability to be able to expand the kingdom. But there is nothing like writing a check with extra zeros on it. There's been times in our lives when we made good money and we were able to give good checks and God changed us from just a sower to a goer and he might do the same thing to you but one thing is for sure, there are goers because we all go but we are certainly all sowers whether we sow financially or prayerfully or anything, we can all respond yes to the call, amen? So in this room, the Lord is gonna deal with you. He's gonna deal with you about what you should do, how you should help What you should implement. And it may be that you don't have a a single desire to do anything about tabernacles. Let me give you some liberty this morning. That's fine. Because there's other things that are incredible that the Lord may put on your heart. You may be called to live dead. You may be compelled to go and take the gospel to an unreached people group. Or you just may have a desire to do everything that you do right here locally. And that's fine. And you guys are doing an incredible job here. Absolutely incredible. This is a beautiful congregation. This is what heaven's gonna look like. It's beautiful. It might be the most diverse assembly of God congregation I've ever seen in Arkansas. I, I, I haven't been to every church, so I don't know, but it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous. This is what our we this is what our fellowship should look like, if it's at all possible. And uh it is. The Great Commission has not changed. It's why we're here today, it's why we do what we do, and it's why we're called to. And it's what you are called to. We are together. As his followers, we partner together to bring the gospel to the lost and the broken. Here in Camden and on the continent of Africa and every place in between. Some will go, some will give, all will follow. Will you proceed? Let me close with a story of northern Uganda. Will you put up that picture of that eight-year church? It's the block building. uh, Just the outside of it when you get a chance. Oh, it's so dark, isn't it? I'm sorry I didn't take a better picture. Uh, This church right here, guys, it's a block church in northern Uganda. It's really, really close to Sudan, South Sudan. And it's in a war-torn area where Joseph Kony came through in the early 2000s and began to kill everyone at will. He had child soldiers he would kidnap. Um, He kidnap all of the boys and turn them into soldiers, and they would take uh, the women and children and use them as sex objects, basically. And and the first thing that they would have the children do would be to kill their families except for the ones that they were going to keep. And then they brainwashed them into thinking that they were doing this as a service to God. It was called the Lord's Resistance Army. And, um, so it's, it's a, it's a war torn area. It's really rough in Northern Uganda. It's not developed at all. It's really just bush and, um, there's not a lot going on there, but l- let me tell you this story as, as quick as I can. A uh, pastor in 2018, we went on that trip that Carrie talked about and I preached in a refugee camp. It wasn't a refugee camp any longer. But just about 30 miles away from this church, there's a refugee camp where people huddled up and and sought safety and refuge during the war. And there was a building on that refugee camp where everybody slept in and they had guards out at night trying to make sure that they could make it through the night without giving their life or being kidnapped or being raped or it's just horrendous atrocities going on there uh, during the war. And... La- the first year that I went in 2018, that place has been so redeemed and there's a pastor on that refugee camp and they've built a church in that building that used to be where everyone would huddle up at night scared and hoping that they would make it till the sun came up As now their children's church facility. So I stood in that place and began to share the gospel with, with kids in a place that used to be a place of fear is now a place of freedom. And a place that used to just be a place of refuge out of fear is now a place of refuge as is the house of the Lord. It's incredible. So, so coming back and... In uh, 2019, the open invitation was good to go to that same refugee camp. So, this is what I began to do in the summer. We were going at the end of September or part, uh, middle of September. So, uh, during the summer, I began to prepare a message knowing that it was going to be translated into Swahili. I, I prepared a message and I began to get five or six or eight word increments. I tried to go over it five or six times and make sure that there wasn't too many Americanisms in there that would be lost in translation when it was put into Swahili. Because I really wanted to deliver a dynamic message that people could understand the purity of the gospel and understand that they're not converting to an American style religion, but they're giving their lives to Jesus. And we had it nailed down and I felt better about it than I've ever felt about a sermon in my whole life. And we get to northern Uganda, and this is September 2019, a year later. I'm so stoked about going to preach it at this refugee camp. I can barely sleep. At 2 a.m., the Holy Spirit uh, nudges me and says, that's a great message, Tony, but it's not for today. And I said, no way, no way. We spent way too much time on this. And, and so long story a little bit shorter, I've submitted to the Holy Spirit, and he took me, to Mark chapter 5. And he, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I didn't know where he was taking me, Pastor. I just read it, and I got it in me, but I wasn't sure. So I read chapter 4, and I read chapter 6, and I kept coming back, what is it that I'm supposed to say? So I'm not going to tell you what he told me to say, because that would be a whole other sermon, right? And we don't want that today. But this is the deal. I got it internalized. I wrote it down on paper, and it was about healing and deliverance. And it was really about walking down the road, Jesus walking with Jairus. It's a pretty incredible message. Maybe sometime I'll come here and talk about it. So... It was, it was great, and I was excited about that too, and then this is what happened. Uh, we woke up that morning, and we went to the first church where we were dropping off half the team to minister, and then I was supposed to go to the refugee camp with the other part of the team, and then as we were getting ready to leave, I, I got bad news. Uh, there was a miscommunication, and they thought we were going to be there the next week, so they already had a speaker today that was an official in the Ugandan Assemblies of God, and I certainly couldn't misplaced him you know like i wasn't going to get an opportunity to preach so i so doubt was right there lingering really like well, oh, man, I, I spent so much time preparing this first message and then you said it wasn't right and you gave me this other instantaneous download type thing that I'm really good about and what was that all about and, and, and so I had, to, I had to make a decision right then if I was just going to be gloomy about it or upset or disappointed or discouraged or doubtful or if I was just going to worship Jesus so I got off the bus which is what I thought was going to be my vehicle to take me to the refugee camp and I went into the other church and I just submitted and I said I'm just going to worship here So I began to worship Jesus 30 minutes into the worship, which is really just getting started in that part of Africa, 30 minutes into the worship service, I get a tug on my shirt like this and I look over and it's the translator and he says, come with me. There's another church that needs to hear your message. So I jumped on the bus and we drove as far as the pavement went. We pulled over on the side of the road and I literally thought maybe someone needed to use the bathroom because we were in the middle of nowhere. And he said, no, this is where we start to walk. So we got out of the bus and we walked on this, this path right here, this dirt path. That's about two feet wide in the good spots, maybe three in some, but walking through the bush to get to that church, it was just a little mud path It had been rainy season. And I'm walking in my good, you know, preaching shoes and I'm getting muddy and everything else. And we walked for a mile or so, maybe longer. I'm not sure. And I began to hear the sounds of worship. And in that church right there, they were going after the Lord. And we walked in, and we were so late. It had probably been hours since they started. And we walked into that church, and they were expecting a word from the Lord. And they were so excited because Americans were there to preach, which, man, thank God that they were excited, amen, and not not mournful that we were there. They were excited. Pastor Jerry, it was the Mark 5 message that the Lord gave me on healing and deliverance, and I preached it like I've never preached before and people came in and, and go ahead can you show the next picture of the inside this that's part of that video this over a hundred people responded to the altar it took two hours to pray for everyone we saw instantaneous healings in that service i saw a withered arm like this where a lady i just laid hands on her she didn't speak my language i didn't speak hers and but we both spoke to the lord and she hit the ground and when she did at first i thought there was some demonic activity going on you know i'm fairly young in this work and uh so i'm I'm anticipating something crazy going on and she begins to roll around on that dirt floor and lets out a scream and begins to worship the lord and both hands went up to the lord this one that's been like this for i don't even know how long i didn't do it we just prayed and she hit the floor and a few minutes later she had a straight arm worshiping the lord with it it's incredible right but this is the thing that really got me when we finished everything and we saw some great healings, we saw some incredible stuff, we saw salvation, it was awesome. I didn't know I was going to that church that morning. I certainly didn't know I was going to that church before I gave my life to Jesus. But because we just went, and, and I really think it's because I didn't get discouraged and we went ahead and just worshiped Jesus in the face of doubt anyway. I mean, I could have been all in the molly grubs because I had prepared two sermons and nobody wanted to hear them. Or I could have just went in and worshiped Jesus in spite of the doubt that I was dealing with. And he arranged for me to go to that church. That church. And what I found out when I left is that they had been on a fast since the Thursday before. Believing that that Sunday morning that the Lord was going to bring them what? Healing and deliverance. The title of the message that I preached. I didn't know, but he knew. We just say yes to the Lord and do what it is that he leads us to do. And he gives us a front row seat to incredible, incredible works that he has in store. I didn't even know about that church. As we were walking back to get on the bus, I found out that an Assembly of God church in the USA donated $7,500 to build that eight years ago the reason you can see the light coming in in the back left corner there is because they had to move the back wall out because it only holds 300 and they needed room for 500 and and that is the mother church to 8 more churches in that region that's 9 churches that's been spawned completely out of $7,500 given 8 years ago 8 years ago Man, it makes me want to sell something so I can come up with $7,500. You know what I mean? It's incredible. It's such fertile ground. And man, we just want to say yes to the Lord. I don't know what He wants you to do. And I don't want to try to pretend this is what I beg of you. Don't make me say the thing that the Lord has got to deal with you in your heart. Let me just say this. Say yes to Jesus. Proceed to the mountain, even in the midst of doubt, and just worship Him and let Him do what He wants to do in you and through you, and you will not regret it. Amen. Pastor, will you come? Thank you, Lord. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Pastor, we love you. Thank you for allowing us to come. And, uh,. We believe that the Lord has called us to do what we're doing. And uh, we are so privileged to be an extension of, of uh, Victory Church. And partnership, is that's what that looks like. We're not just here for money, but we believe that the Lord has crossed our path, just like he crossed my path on that eight-year church. We ran into each other at a basketball game. And I've seen you on television, but I didn't really know you. I just took a chance and walked up to you at a basketball game and said, Pastor, this is what we're doing, and if we can serve you, we want to serve you. So I hope that the presentation has been clear enough this morning that you can't fight that you can't fight off the people wanting to do something incredible. And we bless Camden and we bless Victory Church and we bless the the years, the forty plus years that you've spent. You have given your life for Victory Church in this congregation, in this area, in this region, and you're a general in the Lord's army, and I feel like a private talking to a general, and I thank you. I thank you for adopting us into your family, and we will do our dead-level best to be a blessing as we extend the reach of Victory Church onto the continent of Africa.
1: I many could sense the Holy Spirit? And could you sense what the Lord was doing with Tony and Carrie and pulling them into our hearts? And some way taking our hearts and putting our hearts in their heart and God doing something supernaturally. Because God's heart's too big for Camden. It's too big for Mark and Saul. God's heart is so big it reaches around the world, doesn't it? And we want so much to be a part of God's heart to this world. Our usher is going to come forward. When you came in this morning, there was given to you a a special little offering envelope. And what we want to do, we want to partner in whatever way that God is working in our heart. Because you're a part of Victory Church, because you're a part of here, automatically Victory Church is going to be engaged. Some people say, I don't... I don't have to give up. I want you to know, you don't have to worry about that. This church is going to give up on your behalf. This church, because you've partnered with us and you're such a part of our family. But there are those here this morning that God's asking you to go that second mile. And you can do that. And God's going to empower you to do that. It may even be like that young man that came up to me last week and he was heading off to to work on a project and... And he said, Pastor, he said, there's nothing I can do to make this project be successful for me, but I want to give, and that young man planted $2,000 in the school. And on his return from that project, he was able to come back with 65000 miraculously. Isn't that a miracle that the Lord does? There's some of that here this morning that God is speaking to your heart about, that, that God wants to miraculously reward you and miraculously come to your rescue, maybe in, even in other issues. I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting in that same little spot I was sitting this morning. And what I needed most desperately in my life was not a financial miracle, although it's always welcome. But what I needed was a family miracle. And so what I would do, I would, did what I could do physically. As When it came time to of the offering, I did what I could do physically, believing God for God to do something I couldn't do. And that was to... God, to bring a healing in my family. And let me say what God showed me that morning. God fulfilled that completely for the glory of God. So whatever it is that you're at, wherever you are, whatever the area that you are wanting to. And, and let me say, let nobody feel that you don't have to give because you've already given. This church will give on your behalf for Africa because you're a part of us. We're a family together. But if God is dealing with you specifically. That you need to plant into Africa. Then I want you to obey Him. And maybe the Lord has dealt with some of you. That you want to build a church. And maybe the others of you. The Lord has dealt with you. And put a burden in your heart to go at some time. To go be a part of this miracle. You know the wonderful thing about it. I, I loved I love Tony so much because he was doing some things there on that video that I can do. I can run a screw gun. (laughs) I can, you know, and so there's some things that God can may use me to do in Africa. Maybe you feel that same way. But if you feel that it's a future work that God's called you to do, maybe you say, you know, Pastor, this next year, I would like to build a church. I would like to help build a church. So maybe you could just write that on your offering or that envelope, pardon me, maybe you could just write down what it is that you feel like God is wanting you to do. Then others of you, the Lord's going to ask you to place in that offering. So as long as we just obey the Lord, we're proceeding forward. Lord, in Jesus' name, precious Holy Spirit, we owe our lives to you. Lord, we owe our families to you. Lord, we owe our livelihoods to you. There's nothing that we have that you didn't bless us with. So, Lord, we're just before you this morning. You know, Lord, I would like to go to Africa sometime. I would like to run a screw gun or a hammer or something. I would like to tote a piece of metal. I would like to do something to... I would like to do something that's bigger than me and bigger than this town and bigger than this state. I'd like to do something, Lord, to further the gospel of Jesus. And so, Lord, I'm just going to write down on this little envelope, Lord, that I would like to go at some time. If you would work a miracle, Lord, if you would provide for me, if you would help me to be able to do that. So right now, Lord, my part in giving is a dream this morning that I could have. And Lord, others of us, Lord, we we know and we we have the means to do something. We have the means to help a people. We have a people to support Tony and to support Carrie. We have a means of doing that. So Lord, we ask you to empower us to do that in this envelope this morning. Lord, others of us, we we Lord, we we have the power to possibly do that next year. Lord, is our dream because. Tony and Carrie is going to be a part of our church. And so, Lord, we have, we have a desire to give. Even if I don't have the power at this moment, I have a desire and you. I believe that you give the desire that you will eventually empower, Lord. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I'm going to write it on this envelope, God. I'm going to say what I want to do. I'm going to say what I believe that you want us to do. In Jesus' name, Lord, we bring this to you. If some of you have been given something you want to seal on your envelope, just take a moment to go ahead and do that before our, our ushers. Would you just take a moment, take that envelope that you've been given. Maybe uh, others, you may have misplaced that envelope since you came in here. If you need an envelope, then would you raise your hand right now and our ushers will make that available to you. Brother Larry, could you help us here? There are others that are needing, that's needing that envelope. Yeah. Do we have some others, Brother Larry? If so, we're just going to take a moment for this. Let, let's don't pass the offering back yet, Lord. Y'all, y'all hold on a minute. Just, just hold on. We're just going to pass out envelopes here a moment. If anyone needs the envelope. It's communication and it's also an opportunity. Just go ahead and write on your envelope what you feel the Lord is speaking to your heart about. I feel like God is uniting me or Lord is doing something special. You know, Tony, it was in several years ago like this that that I, I had a, I'm a, I have six kids, 17 grandkids and, and in the process of it before they'd ever started to college, I knew that I didn't have the money to send them to college. I knew I didn't. And I was in a service, something like this, that God told me to provide. And God told me to do what I could do and He could do what I couldn't do. What I could do in that, in that service is I could help somebody else do what they was called to do. But only God could help me do what I needed to do. You know, I spent all these many years later all those kids that wanted to go to college went to college and paid it off. Awesome. You know? God miraculously took care of it. God is a master. God is a master. God is a master of doing what we can't do. Go ahead and write on your envelope. Give it just a moment. I see some of you still writing, so we're gonna wait for we'll it. Anybody else need any more envelopes? Anybody misplace your envelope you need one to communicate this one? And then we're going to do what you said, Tony. We're going to worship God. We're just going to turn Stephen loose up there. And we're going to worship the Lord as you. as you. And some of you are in that very situation that Brother Tony mentioned to us about this morning. You've gone as far as you can go. and You've got some disappointments. And some of you, I feel loyal to the Holy Spirit. Some of you are really disappointed in your family situation. Some of you are here disappointed in your marriage situation. And you don't know of anything that you can do to turn that marriage around. But God wants you to know if you'll worship Him. That's what God sent Tony to tell you today. If you'll worship God, if you've gone as far as you can go. But if you will worship God and just keep proceeding, God's going to come to your rescue. God has a word for you. That if you would just worship God with where you are. Maybe you've done all you can do to put that marriage together. You've done all you can do to bring the healing. You've done all you can do. You've done, you feel like you, you can't think of another thing else I can do, but God said, if you would just worship me and you'll keep proceeding, that God's going to answer you and God's going to miraculously turn that thing around for his glory. Amen. Lord, we just receive that in Jesus' name this morning. Over family issues, especially here at Christmas time, Lord. Especially here at Christmas time, over family issues and circumstances, Lord, that we cannot handle, you can handle, Lord. But what we can do, Lord, we're going to worship you in the midst of this. We're going to worship God and keep proceeding, and we're going to watch you, God. And if you have a little church in the back of somewhere that you could send Tony to, that Tony had no need of, no idea was there, but all he could do was worship, and you put the right places in, you're going to put some right things in my family for me, God. You're going to do some right things. You're going to bring some right things to pass. You're going to turn around some right things, God, as I just worship you, Lord. Praise God.